to District Divided, a DC sports podcast. I am Amit. That is KDOT. KDOT, how are you doing today, sir? Tired as hell. Drinking Red Bull. Rarely do, but I'm, I'm back in the caffeine mode, guys. Well, then let's just jump right into it because I'm hyped up on caffeine as well. This is just a Commanders-based episode today, so you won't be hearing about the Wizards. Shout out the throwbacks, though. You won't be hearing about DC United. Shout out Christian Benteke. You won't be hearing about the Washington Spirit. Oh, devastating loss. You won't be hearing about the Washington Nationals because they're dead. But you will be hearing a lot about the Washington Commanders. Here are the three topics we are going to run through. We are going to run through Jason Wright uh, firing at Scott Abraham, who had a one-on-one -on -one interview with Carson Wentz. We're going to begin with that. We're then going to jump into Sam Mills, uh, now ex-defensive line coach, getting fired. And Jeff Scanina getting promoted to defensive line coach, and then we're going to talk about preseason expectations because, oh, yeah, there's a football game tomorrow. So what are we expecting from it? What makes it a success? And then we jump into the comment mailbag and after the pod, as always, let's begin with KDOT. Scott Abraham, I think News Channel 7, has an interview with Carson Wentz. And he's been having interviews with everybody this whole week, basically. And he's been putting it out on Twitter. Um, and he had a couple questions that uh, were... Some people didn't like and some people were like, hey, I thought those were good questions. But basically, um, he he asked Carson, he said, hey, there have been some talks about you being inaccurate during camp. What are your thoughts on that? And then followed up with, hey, Philly didn't want you. Indy didn't want you. Is this your last chance to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Warren Sharp then tweets it out saying, wow, pulling no punches. Right. And Jason Wright goes. This is pompous, unprofessional, and good luck getting access moving forward and developing a rapport with the guys. This has completely taken over Commander's Twitter. This has completely taken over NFL Twitter. KDOT, what are your thoughts on that situation with Jason Wright firing back at Scott Abraham and his interview with Carson Wentz and the way it went down? Multifaceted. So... I appreciate seeing Jason Wright stand up for his guys. I do. I don't like that he is dangling press passes and media access to an organization that has had problems with transparency with the owner going years back, even though I understand the context is a little different because what we're talking about as far as just player access compared to guys in the front office, things like that. But it just, it rubbed me the wrong way, I guess, a little bit. It's just going off my initial reactions. All this goes down this morning, right? Um, I do believe Scott Abraham, while I, I get the onus of people, I even saw Mike Florio, who I'm guessing yep. was running around on pro football talk on Twitter today, talking about uh, basically how this is why people get these canned answers and non-real responses from athletes, this, that, and the other. And I get that sentiment, I guess, to a certain degree. I don't necessarily think the questions themselves as far as the, the, what the, the information that he wanted to get was wrong in any way, but it's a matter of not necessarily what you say, but how you say it, that came across as rude as shit. 
it almost felt as though he was needling to try to get a reaction out of Carson. And that to me, it, I, I didn't lo- I didn't love that. Like the, the, the whole preface of Indianapolis didn't want you, Philadelphia didn't want you. You can get an answer without doing that and running through. It, it felt as though like he rehearsed that in the mirror all morning to, to make sure that he could get that one off. And like, that was going to be the question. It was, Oh, I'm going to be the hard firing reporter guy. Come on guys. Like it, there, there's a balance there. Come on. It, it, this is not make you fucking Walter Cronkite. Like this is not, this is not that. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, the thing that was for me, I don't think he realized what backlash he was going to get for this because earlier in the day, he had a tweet where he said Carson Wentz is looking sharp today. He's hitting everyone with his passes. So I don't think that he was coming at it from a perspective of, oh, can't wait to get him. Can't wait to sharpen the knife here and sort of see how he reacts. No, of course not. I think it was, hey, it's preseason for everybody, K-Dot. I mean, listen, it's not just the players that are going through it. It's also the media. There's been a lot of talk about Carson Wentz. Uh, He did have the response to the initial question, which was, Hey, listen, I didn't even know about the criticism. So thank you for bringing that up. That was a little thing where I read into it like, okay, well, that also wasn't needed, right? I mean, I think on both sides, this is just one of those situations that was small Mm -hmm. until Jason Wright blew it up a day before our preseason game. This is the first time we're playing live football against another team for quite some time. And Jason Wright made this a very, very big story. And it wasn't much of one other than the couple Twitter comments here and there going, I think that question was a bit out of line or I didn't like the way that was asked. That was it. I don't know why he needed to come out the day before a game and say this. What are your thoughts on that? I, I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, um, I'd like it's a good point as far as this being preseason local media guy doing his thing. I yeah, I get it to a certain degree. I just the look. We know what this is as far as football, as far as any of these sports and grilling these athletes or expecting any real answers from the athletes. We know we don't really get them, not in these sort of situations, not in the presses after the games. It's all just this dog and pony show bullshit that look, we all wish it was a little bit better, but with the way the media itself works, it's this like the snake eating its own tail in a certain degree. There's no real way out of it. Like you can, the real, like the, the guys that are, endear us to that are endearing to us be like the Marshawn Lynch even though recently eh. but the 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 idea of like I'm not I'm not playing like I'm not I'm not doing this game with you and you get a lot of guys in the media that don't like that they they need you to at least play a little bit of ball with them right but then if you are going to be one of these hard charging assholes which you're like I said maybe he's not being that then no it doesn't endear you to these guys that want to open up or want to really talk to you on any sort of real level like it they're it's hard pressed to know exactly how it is you go in order to get real responses from these guys. And I think that a lot of people in the media, especially when we're talking about after training, camp, it doesn't mean you stop trying, but you got to Come on. You, you just, you got to know kind of how to deal with people. And I just don't think that he did it the right way. I just think he came across as maybe a little too informal. I, I don't think he meant it in a malignant sort of tone. I don't think he yeah, meant but it's it. Your job. A, the same yeah, way no, Carson listen, goes out there and throws four interceptions in a game is the same way that I look at Scott Abram and like, hey, man, you got to do better than that. And like, yeah, once again, and once again, the Jason Wright thing, like. But this is why I, we're talking about it is because right. Jason Wright did Jason it. Right we're not even talking about this. And right. That's where I go to Jason. Like you, you stay silent all season long. Then you, you, you do your stuff in the off season. This was sort of unnecessary to do publicly in this sort of way. Sort of. 
This was completely unnecessary. It was completely unnecessary. Yeah. Once again, there's, there's that a- aspect of like this team camaraderie, almost gang life sort of thing where it's like, yo, we rep for our side, any of the outsiders, blah, blah. And, but then when you look through Twitter and you're seeing which fans are kind of on Jason Wright's side, it's the same sort of toxic fans for the most part. <laughs> um, well, I don't want to say like in a lot well, of other so, things. So, so I want to I jump to a point, which is that I think we suddenly see ourselves divided into two camps and a lot of fans believe that the local media genuinely wants the team to fail. Mm-hmm. Do you subscribe to that belief that certain members of the local media actually do want the team to fail? Absolutely not. Because I, the people that you hear saying that are the people that can't take any criticism about the team at all. And look, if your local media with the dumpster fire that this franchise has been, you might not like to hear it, but it's being real. I'm not one of those people, like, I, I always hate the people that are like, it's in the same sort of bucket of those people to say, uh, if you if you got to criticize America, why don't you just go somewhere else? Fuck you. If you love something, you're going to be real about it. You're going to criticize. You're going to want better from it. And it, those people that just want to skate by and everything's got to be fucking sunshine and roses all the time. What La La Land bullshit are you in? Like, come on. I would say that there's probably fatigue associated with hearing over and that's over fine. again about it. And that's fine. Right. I just wanted to make that distinction as yeah. well. That, hey, there's a difference between fatigue and having local media genuinely want the team to fail. Because I think it's a lot better for them if they're doing well. I know I'm more likely to listen to the radio when we're winning because it's uh-huh. more exciting. It's not as exciting when we're losing. So I don't think they want to see us lose. Yeah, there are moments where like maybe Grant Paulson has a bit of a clickbaity tweet. They do that. Yes, I actually do think they do that. I think there is some level of clickbait involved, but I don't think they actually want him to fail. Unless it's naturalated, Grant. Um, <laughs> so I love you, Grant. Or, or just a pro Kirk Cousins tweet. My Jesus, God. boy. <laughs> I love Grant. Love Grant and Danny. Love Grant. But yeah, me too. Goddamn, me too. son. Um, yeah, I think you're right. There is this level of fatigue. I mean, you look at Washington, especially from a sports media standpoint, there probably is no city in America that's a bigger launch point as far as what you do in the national media as far as sports. Um, you look at that. You look at just the run of guys that we've been lucky enough to see in our lifetimes cover the, our local teams. Like you look at the part of the interruption guys, Tony Kornheiser, Michael Wilbon. You look at um, Lindsey Zarniak, who then went to the national stage, at least to a certain degree. Um, much of people might not like her. Britt McHenry, like all these people that yep. have kind of gone through the ranks and then go off to do these amazing things. Mike Jones, uh, Washington Post. Now he does everything in the national column. I think, is he still with USA Today or something? I don't know. But a lot, uh, what, uh, Jason Lockenfora. Like all these guys that have kind of gone through and then when they hit the national stage and they get asked, oh, hey, you used to work in Washington. What do you think about Washington? Oh, it was a dumpster fire, this, that, and the other. I get that it feels as though we're getting beat up on, but it's all accurate. <laughs> so there, there is a certain level of like, hey, save all this defense of this. For the players, I get that to a certain degree. Yeah. But the organization, you got to kind of let it rock. And I think that right now you just have people that are ultra sensitive in that realm and they're ready to just rip the head off of anybody that even forms any form of criticism jason wright i'm not entirely sure why this was the hill he need to come out on and speak this harshly on but once again the thing that bothered me the most is dangling media access to press that you know you're trying to be transparent and you guys talk about the transparency because you didn't like the question is kind of bullshit. Yeah. and look carson handled himself 
I thought great. Great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I didn't think anything was wrong because I thought he handled it well overall. And that's the thing. It's like you also got to let you, you got to let these players do that. You got to yes. let them. They have to be able to navigate that. And so I just wanted to say that, you know, look, Jason Wright's a human being as well. And I think timing sometimes is devoid of logic. He also may be fatigued from hearing all these different things. Right. I mean, because they live it. That's their job. That's their life is to mm-hmm. hear this respond to the media, make sure relations are good, stuff like that. So maybe it was his tipping point as well. I think if he were to sort of whiteboard it, be like, hey, probably doesn't make sense to respond right now. But I think just the fatigue eventually got to him as well. It's, it's getting to everybody. Clearly. But it's the same thing I said, but the same thing I said, sorry, Scott, the same thing I say about Jason. Look, I get that it's an unfair. You, you, you came into a situation with all the best possible want and desire to change it. And mm-hmm. I believe that to Jason Wright's core, that he does want to do it. I believe that a lot of these, Julie Donaldson, all these, they are, yeah. they are legitimately want to change the, the situation. And it's got to be hard hearing about the past and the history of this organization every fucking day when it's like, hey, I didn't have anything to do with that. I'm just trying to change it. But, Jason, the team's still not winning the way it needs to. The game day experience is shit. And mm-hmm. every time that you show up in the media telling us about X, Y, and Z, it's not necessarily well-received, period. And that's just since you've been hired. It's got nothing to do with what's happening in the past. You yep. need to figure out how to walk on eggshells and just figure out how it is that you need to navigate just a little bit better than that. This, to me, is an ill step. Absolutely, it's an ill step. Absolutely, it's an ill step. And I think anyone that's in this job long enough, right, we've seen it with everybody. Yep. No one's immune to this. Like It's just the culture exists still. Uh, but if, they, you wanna, if you want to, if you want to be, if you want to be Billy Badass, how about you go after yacht bitch? How about you let something fly on yacht bitch, Jason? I know he <laughs> writes the checks. That's the one that takes balls, Jason. Anyway, let's. Uh, we'll get to yacht bitch in a moment. But um, who, by the way, did say under oath that we finally have a quarterback. Just wanted to point that out as well. Let's move on He's to the, the defensive worst public line. Of all time. He's not very good. Let's move Jeez. on to the defensive line where. Sam Mills, a long time, not only coach with Ron Rivera, but friend of Ron Rivera was let go of that position. And he is no longer with the team. Instead, Jeff Scanina moves into the role and Jeff Scanina was a seventh round pick way back in the day. He actually played a whole lot as well. He played over 250 games, Super Bowl champion with the Rams. So I would say a very successful playing career and then also an ongoing coaching career where he's been with the 49ers. I want to say he's been with the giants as well. Yep. Was with the giants Texans. And now our defensive line coach K dot, what did you make of the move? So it's a defensive line coach that's been replaced. Does that speak to the bigger, maybe pressure that Rivera's feeling, or do you just think hey, it just wasn't getting done on the D line? And it's as simple as that. Uh, my initial reaction was, one of e- good. Okay. Then followed by the timing is terrible. Like more, um, more timing devoid of logic. The timing is really weird. So it's must like the, to me is that we look at last season, especially early on in the season, we keep talking about how undisciplined the defensive line played, right? Um, no, zero gap discipline. Everyone was kind of freelancing in a pass rushing sort of standpoint. Nobody was really doing support in the way that they needed to on the defensive line early on last year. And I think that we looked at uh, Jack Del Rio as far as defense coordinator buck stops with you. Um, It seems as though maybe some of the defensive coaches or the the position coaches might have a little more leeway 
under Ron Rivera, under Ron Rivera coaching staff. Um, so yeah, Sam Mills was definitely somebody that I had circled along with Jack Del Rio, and that's an issue, and I need to see what the fuck is going on because you can't have these guys play that undisciplined, especially when you're looking at some of the dudes that we would consider to be fairly high character guys, and J, uh, John Allen, uh, Jonathan mm-hmm. Allen, and Chase Young's like. Why would you have a unit that's undisciplined if you got guys like that that are really leaders in the locker room? Um, kind of, kind of seems ridiculous. Um, so uh, if they would have told me at the beginning of the off, beginning of the offseason, hey, we're going a different direction for us as a defensive line coach, cool. But it's got to mean that there's been stuff happening throughout these training throughout training camp that they're not seeing what it is they need to see as far as the change goes. So I'm kind of happy it happened. I'm glad Ron Rivera could kind of step outside himself and say, this is just what I need to do. Loyalty goes, but so far we've got to make changes here. But I also wish that maybe he cut ties sooner so that we could have somebody in here really work with the defensive line the entire offseason to really get something changed or get something new instead of what feels as though now they got to kind of get used to this guy and how his leadership is when we're starting the preseason tomorrow. Yeah, I think there was probably some element of last chance. I want to see something change from Ron with Sam. I don't know if that was communicated. Um, yeah, the timing certainly could have been better right than in the middle of camp, right? So uh, weird. Where all of a sudden it's a it's a story instead of maybe in the off season where it's like, oh, he's gone, but you can't really be there to answer questions, stuff like that. And you just sort of move on. Um, that being said, I think the word I would go with here is curious. I'm curious to see how Jeff Scanina does in this role. I'm curious to see how the defensive line responds because I think it could be a wake-up call to them. Hey, our position coach just got let go. We are four first-round picks. If you're John Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, we are four first-round picks on this line. And the guy who was in charge of us just got let go because we're not performing. So I'm curious to see how they respond to this. So it's not just Jeff in this new role, but the defensive line reacting to this news as well. We've seen Warren Sapp. At camp, we've seen Ryan Kerrigan at camp. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of, to me, brilliant defensive former players, minds with Del Rio, with Rivera, that have been around long enough that there are sky-high expectations for this team. Yep. So curious is the way I would go with that. Any final thoughts on this? Because I don't, I honestly don't feel there's much more to say until we see live action here. No, not really. I mean, I will say one thing. I have you seen the first episode of Hard Knocks this this season? I've seen clips, but I haven't seen the full episode yet. Can't wait for it though. All right, it's I'm for going any to. Commanders fan seeing Mark Brunel as a quarterback coach, Antoine Randall is the uh, as receiver the wide receiver coach. coach. It's great. the The thing that I that I am a fan of Sam Mills. I don't know him personally. I don't really have anything to say. Uh, I do think that if I'm looking at what he's done with defensive lines, it's kind of lucked into some really, really high-end talent, but I don't know what he's had to develop. We've talked about that when we've gone over, like especially the Jack Del Rio stuff right. and going over Ron Rivera's history. But watching after watching Hard Knocks, I like former players being around. Um, I think that they get, I think especially when we look at the way that this defense went on that run two years ago, there was a fun, there was this this dog sort of mentality and they were having fun, right? I don't necessarily get that when I see Sam Mills around the defensive line. I do get it when I hear a clip of Warren Sapp being around the team. I do hear it when, and I'm butchering his last name, but Jeff, our new our new guy, Skanina, 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 Skanina. There you go, you nailed Former it. Former player. That's according to the Commanders website. 
<laughs> Fair enough. So if they got it wrong, we're all getting it wrong. It's fine. former player Warren Sapp still around, Kerrigan still around. I'm digging it. We need somebody to kind of light a fire on these guys. They play at their best when they're uh, they're playing loose, they're playing fun, they're getting after it, and that's what you kind of need. Now I, I, I'm hopeful that we'll see that energy level increase with this change. Yeah, I am hopeful as well. And so now let's talk about the game because there is one tomorrow. So we've got the media shit storm. What else is new? We've got the coaching change. And now we finally have football tomorrow, 1 p.m. NBC Sports Washington. We take on the Carolina Panthers, who they're figuring out their quarterback between Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. I suspect it'll be Mayfield. I don't think you trade for him unless he's going to be the guy. But right now they're playing it close to the chest on our side. This is Carson Wentz's first opportunity in a commander's uniform to play. Uh, It is also Jahan Dotson's first opportunity to play and a few others that need to prove themselves immediately. What to you, KDOT, would be success, aside from no injuries, what to you would be success in this game tomorrow in preseason game one? Carson Wentz having time in the pocket. Good O-line play. Good O-line play, giving Carson Wentz time to look through his progressions because we know when when the clock is ticking and he sometimes has to make that decision, it might be the wrong one, especially if it's going deep. Um, so I, I want time for Carson to go through his progressions. And uh, so that's the number one thing I'm saying. Energy on the defensive line. The second thing, bringing off what we talked about there. And how is the linebacker unit? Can the, the linebackers are not getting blown up off the field. Mm-hmm. Those things are success for me. I don't care what the final score. I just want to see Carson do well. I want to see what Carson, Curtis Samuel can do out there. Just, yeah, get away from it clean and give us something positive to talk about. Like, it, I, I just want to know that Carson Wentz and the team is looking like they're going in the right direction. And it's not like we're out here looking clueless. What I want to see, I think you're 100% right, by the way. Carson having time is something he didn't really have in Indianapolis. And at the latter part of his time in Philadelphia, didn't really have that either. So for him to have time would be new for him too, which would be great because he is insanely talented. That's never been a question. Carson Wentz's talent. Uh, So it'd be great to see that the defensive line being fired up. We talked about Jeff Scanina coming into that role. That would be fantastic. I want to see the second and third units obliterate the Panthers second and third units from an energy perspective, because that that, to me tells me coaching's working because we know what our starters are going to do. I think we all have expectations that are in a certain range, but it's the second and third units that, Hey, are they well coached? Are they executing? Are we looking good across the board? Because that's what you need to have a successful season, right? I think a lot of people watch the first quarter starters are out. We're turning it off. I am now turning it on at that point and going, okay, what are these other guys doing? Because that's a reflection on Del Rio. That's a reflection on Scott Turner. That's a reflection on Ron Rivera. Jeff Scanina, we just talked about. Mm -hmm. That is the inside look to them. If they're not playing well, I'm now concerned about the coaching staff. Maybe it's a reach, but that's how I feel about it. No, I I don't think you're wrong at all. I, I actually think that that's one of the most underrated parts about preseason universally across all teams is how are the second and third teams looking? Um, are they playing at a high level or like thing is there've been sometimes historically that maybe it doesn't matter, but um, Colt Brennan, uh, or uh, I, I will always remember Osaka. Um, 
one of the worst guys. It felt so good. Danny Warfield throwing fucking dimes and Sparrier season did not go well. Um, so, I mean, but yeah, the energy level. And especially like the, the the certain positions that we know in which they keep talking about the amount of depth that they have. So mm-hmm. like defensive line. I don't want to see the defensive line. I want to see them outclassing the second and third units of the defensive line for us should be outclassing anything that Carolina's doing. That's what I want to see. If that's supposed to be a position of strength for us depth wise, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you're right. You're you're hundred percent right. And especially and on offense, the skills positions, we keep talking about how deep we are at wide receiver. All right. I'm gonna fuck his goddamn ball. Like that, mm-hmm. that's what we need to have, that's what we need to see happen. Same thing with running back. There should there should be positions in which we're looking at that we're like, hey, this should not we should look good. Not serviceable, good. Good. And right. And that 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 to me it, it speaks to how successful the coaching staff is getting and also looking at next guy up mentality this season, where there's this is the no excuse season, right? So mm-hmm. let's get some shit done. Yeah, I want to as little as possible over the course of the season go. We're missing these many guys due to injuries and use it as an excuse. Right. I want to be able to go, hey, I know everyone's fired up and we're good with the next guy, uh, especially in that linebacker core. I'm very curious to see what we have at the second and third levels over there in terms of the depth, because that is super important. That is a position in particular where you go, hey, if someone balls out in the fourth quarter, I see no reason why you can't give them significant snaps come week one making the roster etc and look, i think that's important i also know that linebacker like i i get it that it might be we've talked about linebacker the linebacker position at nauseum mm-hmm. uh, throughout absolutely the and i get that if you were to actually look at the breakdown the amount of times we actually have uh three linebackers in in a game at any given point in time is very i'm not gonna say rare Two but it's less than five. half right right yeah yeah so but see, that's the thing is like I'm I'm looking at that just the, the mid level of that defense and what it is they're doing. So like when I say linebacker, I'm saying what are they doing ten yards behind the line of scrimmage? I need to know mm-hmm. what it is that they're doing in that level. Um, when you had the land confound playing that hybrid, what the fuck are they doing at that level to stop tight ends from burning us or to stop these third and longs from being converted nonstop, right? Like, I need to see what that level is looking like. And that level needs to have depth. I need mm-hmm. to see them. I need to see that unit in that area of the defense perform throughout that game. Otherwise, I'm looking at it like, holy shit, we might have some issues. Yeah. Uh, one final player, uh, just for fun. I don't expect him to play at all this year. Um, <laughs> unless he's like the best way he's playing is if he's head and shoulders above absolutely everybody. And we go, you know what? Let's give the kid a chance. Sam Howell, who apparently has been zipping that thing mm-hmm. during training camp, during mini camp, all of it. Uh, I'm very curious to see how he looks. Uh, this isn't a controversy, even if he balls out, it's just one of those things where it's like, Hey, we drafted a guy round five, pick one. He was supposed to go in the second round. He's been making some noise in camp. Just curious to see how it looks. That's it. I wouldn't mind by the end of this preseason, there actually is a discussion about, hey, should Sam Howell be over the depth chart on Taylor Heineke? Yeah, I wouldn't I'm put him over the depth that. chart because yeah. I think Heineke is just game ready. But right. um, yeah, I'd like that to be a discussion. I'd love for that to be a discussion. That is a successful preseason. Yeah, especially at a position where we still need a long-term answer. Hopefully it's Carson. Right. Uh, but if it's not, it would be nice to have Sam Howell have a really, really good preseason. And maybe you go, maybe he is worth a look after all. Um, let's move on to the comment mailbag where initially we had zero comments heading into, I think yesterday. And all of a sudden we get two. So thank you very much for the comments. We're going to begin. 
with well oh because you need to anyway there's another one uh so we'll begin <laughs> we'll begin with the one you can't see which is from blood clot um going hashtag sell the team yacht bitch it is still catching on like wildfire thank you yeah, blood clot for the comment that has been loved and then we've got the other one that you can see and this is from ridge where your helmet at jamming davis a bust smh we reach could have got Kadarius tony and use this year pick on something else because curtis samuel never going to see the field cam sims gonna step up though also kadeen flexing about making the team at wilson every year they'd be letting everyone on even some german exchange students and nick beal shout out lls who the fuck is that like shit do i know Um, that person to comment do we know that person like do we know do we actually know is that Renault? That's Renault. Fucking prick. <laughs> uh, K-Dot, is that true? Did everybody make the team at Wilson? Yeah, there was no tryouts for me. I was fat and I could move. So I was automatically on the football team. Whether or not I was seeing any playing time or anything, look, the last two, so I, I could say something, but I can't go the full itself. So you guys got to trust, trust me on this. All right. The last two years of high school, I couldn't play football because of some stuff that was happening in my life that I can't necessarily discuss because the statute of limitations isn't up on, that I couldn't be there after school to practice. Um, so that was the reason I couldn't actually do it. I'll never forget, freshman year, Ronaldo, Coach Bargeman kicked me off the field because I didn't get the, uh, the, the slip in in time for, uh, I didn't have my inhaler and I needed a form or something along my inhaler because I have asthma in order to play. So I was like, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> so I just <laughs> walked out. <laughs> so, yeah, freshman year, I was like, I was kind of messing around with the football team, at least to a certain degree, because freshman year was so different at Wilson compared to the other years there. Um, just, it was everybody was kind of just this motley crew of people. Yeah. And uh, it was fun. Yeah. I mean, I look, I know I could have played. I know it was the Wilson football team. I, I, I can put things into context. I didn't walk on to Dunbar. I get that. <laughs> I understand. Um, what position did you play? They asked me to play fullback and D line. Okay. Did you prefer one over the other? No, but I, like I said, I didn't really play. I just made the team. <laughs> so like my, I guess, you, I guess Mernal or Ridge where your, where your helmet at is saying, uh, did you make the team if everyone made it? Technically, but you know, is it, is okay. it, a, is it, a, is it an impressive feat? Absolutely not. If you want to hear about my biggest football stories, you got to look to the Palisades Thanksgiving games, which are legendary. Oh, legendary. Absolutely. And what we used to do after school with like uh, Eric McClain, Juju, when the black kids used to come over to Palisades and play with the white boys and what used to happen on the football field out there. There's some stories, man. There's some like there's some shit that if we had cameras out there, well, you see my fans actually vertical completely laid out like Dennis Rodman in the fucking vote, like not horizontal out. horizontal sorry horizontal. the other one yeah yeah that's horizontal. parallel to the ground <laughs> yeah. yeah the other one yeah god damn it yeah I can't I can't say yeah there I have a lot of those and like I, I used to love hitting motherfuckers I still love hitting people but even thing and you know my my number one claim to famous for football I played one man army at Hardy middle school on that dirt oh, field my gosh that dirt field if you could hang on that football field during recess at Hardy Middle School, you got your bona fides for me. <laughs> Dude, that that field, you know what? Let's jump into that after the pod. 
Let's wrap this up. This was District Divided, a DC sports podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please like it. Please subscribe. Please share it. Please comment. We always appreciate it. We will always read your comment no matter what it says. If it's Amit and suck, we will read it. We will love it anyway. Um, and then we'll talk about it. But thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Amit. That is KDOT. We are on every Friday, 2 p.m. Until then, see you next week. Peace. Let's talk about that uh, Hardy Middle School dirt field. I remember, uh, so you would have been, what, eighth grade when I was in sixth grade? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So there was always that soccer game going on, which is like, it was World Cup. So you always were going towards the one goal. There were 15 people. You named a country. You had to yell your country as you shot it. And then I, I guess I had ADD or something. I would literally turn around and then just run a little wheel route for whoever was playing football at that time. And that was it. Like, it was literally, I don't have the ball. I'm getting the other one. And then I would make a play, give it to the QB, run back, continue playing World Cup. Those were the best. I feel like middle school recess, that was the best. Now, so when we were, so I don't know if you ever played out there with us uh, when we were out there. I don't remember like what year. I felt like we did. I felt like at one point, Pope, Mr. Pope banned it, what we were doing. So we used to do, so it would literally, you remember 500? Yeah, of course. So we did 500 without the point, without the point scoring. So it was, uh, so you're just throwing a ball up in the air. That's it. You just run it back past, because you remember also on the sides of the field, there were metal grates. The drainage was on the field itself. Uh-huh. I remember I tackled a kid in sixth grade, Robbie, on the metal grate. And knocked the win out of him. I couldn't stand that fucker. Um, <laughs> I, I, I lined it up so perfect, and I body slammed his ass on that fucking. Um, you still think about it? I do. I think about all like I, I loved hit. My favorite part about hitting somebody is that the the when you hear the air leave them. <clears throat> so this that, is like a meditative experience for you. I love that sound. I fucking love that sound. Um, I get off on that sound. It's so amazing. I love hitting a motherfucker and it just, when you hear, uh, uh, they, they can't, it's an involuntary. The air just leaves them. Um, but we used to do the jump where you, they throw the football up into the crowd. There'd be like 20 or 20, 30 yeah, of us. You get enough. And we t- have tackle and you, you'd had to run it back. And also my grade was, um, we had to do the made the NFL, uh, Aurelius Ben. Who was uh who uh, was he at Hardy? Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, he every day after school he used to get on the bus and go over to Dunbar to work out. I was gonna say he went to Dunbar, right? Yeah, he used to go to yeah, Dunbar. Yeah. They Dunbar recruited him out of sixth grade. He used to, um, oh, damn, I didn't know yeah. that. I also didn't yeah, know. he used to hop on the bus and go. He used to hop on the G two, go across town and um train at Dunbar after school every day. And okay. look, when Regis used to play with us, it was like that's when you knew. Oh, he's like really good. <laughs> so it's like, he was, yeah, you know, he used to do shit out there that was like, it was insane. But they used to throw it back and it got, there was one time I, Howard Brown tackled me. And I remember, um, so yeah, I had the, the ball gets thrown up and they had the soccer goals at the end of this field. Yep. We still played around the soccer goals. Of course. And I, I caught the ball and like I stiff on one person and I remember getting smacked, like smacked. Mm. And I remember opening my eyes and everybody's looking around me with this like shocked look. And I'm like, what the fuck? And like, bro, get up and look. I was this far away from cracking my head on the uh, the bottom bar of the soccer. Oh, my.
my uh, gosh. Go. So you were literally laying right there. I was close. right there. If it, if it was like a, if it was like two centimeters, I would have cracked my head open on that metal uh, pole. So it was dangerous shit. Not to mention, you remember that, that, that it was like gravel over concrete. It was uh, it was dirt over concrete. It was the hardest fucking field. There was no oh, yeah. give to that field. None. It was no give to that field. And yeah, we used to it, like coming out of recess and everybody just had fucking dirt, dirt like, all, all over. over. Oh yeah, fucking awesome. Oh, I remember it was that. So awesome. It was, but yeah, they, it was the best. It was used, the best. It was awesome. But they used to, I do remember Mr. Pope, who's like my uncle, um, started yeah. cracking hey, down. Shout out. shout out Pope. He, they started cracking down because it was, it was getting a little, it was getting a little gnarly out there. It was getting really, really gnarly out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was, but that's also what made it special. Right. I think everyone enjoyed it for that reason. It was just like, Hey, literally anything goes at this playground it was really cool i mean shout out the teachers that had to try and contain that because that had to have been an oh, impossible that. task like that had to be so stressful if they cared and they did <laughs> because i remember just mm-hmm. they were like please don't do this <laughs> we're just like i mean what are you gonna do but seriously i lose interest in football if it's not tackle so i'm not a two-hand touch guy i'm not a wrap-up guy it's but i also know why that is is because i'm usually one of the bigger guys on the field so it's really hard for anybody to tackle me um which is why you asked me, like, at Wilson, what would I prefer to play? I would have absolutely preferred to play fullback. And the reason being is that you talk to anybody that ever tried to tackle me, it was a hard fucking chore. I'm short and really tight, and my legs are huge. And yeah. that was where – there were sometimes even, like – and I know I'm not really comparing the Thanksgiving games. That's, like, small potatoes compared to some of the other shit. Right. But there were literally sometimes um, – I wouldn't, I wouldn't even jog. I'd walk. I'd ball up one fist like this. Yeah. Have the ball in my other hand and just knock motherfuckers off me as I'm walking down the field. But also, I, you know, I was thinking more about it when you said you'd rather play fullback. It's also because Wilson ran the ball a ton because when while y'all were at school, Wilson couldn't throw the football for shit. Yeah, it was just I don't know who was playing QB, but it was a disaster. Like it yeah. was always run, 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 third and eight, run. Like yeah. literally didn't even coach didn't even try. He was just like, dude, we can't throw. Now, Wilson got better years later. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they got a lot better. They played in some turkey bowls. I think they even won one or two. Um, but, yeah, no, Wilson was trash when it came to throwing the football for a long time. <laughs> no, it was always uh, – that was the thing. It was like Wilson was known as – it was the it was the white school. It was the white high school. And the – um, like, what was our – where were our claims of fame? Uh, baseball against uh, – we had to play the what the, the private schools. I mean, baseball no and soccer, you guys were good. Yeah, soccer, dude. You guys had an insane team. I remember my junior year, we lost like ten to one or something like that, and it was just, it was an onslaught. Like it could have been worse. Like there were so many good players on that soccer team. It was. I was fucking talking insane. to Devin. She, I was because I was telling her how you still play soccer. Yeah, and she's like, I think I remember seeing him playing. He was really good. Yeah, well, it didn't show because we were getting smoked <laughs> out there, dude. I'm, I'm glad I made an impression to be like, hey, who's that one guy on School Without Walls who's like, I, but like, we were getting murdered, dude. Like, it was, God. And it was what crew, tough. our crew team was legit. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. That, that fucking baseball record for Wilson, what was it? Uh, 26 city titles in a row. It's 26. There are no other fucking public schools that do baseball. <laughs> Um, it, no, hold on. Wall, Walls actually had a good team. We actually had a good team. 
No, I'm serious. Yeah, not better than Wilson. Not better than Eddie no, Saw in fucking Wilson. Wilson. We were, no. no, Eddie Saw was known across the country because of that fucking record Wilson had. <laughs> like, we had to go play the private schools because it was like no other real school. And the school that was doesn't even count as a real public school. Come on. <laughs> Come, <laughs> on, some other Come shit. on. Of course we did. We were DCIA. We y'all were never had our bus shit. show up to pick us y'all up. We had to take the Metro y'all, to go to games. Yeah, of we all had to take Metro to do That's shit. That's So we are a part of it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I know. But look. I like I'm. I wanted to go to Walls. I wanted to go to Walls. My I was supposed to go to Walls until my dad got no argument. You would have fit, fit in perfectly into Walls. My dad went to go pick up my fucking application and got into a screaming match with somebody in the office. And then when I when he picks me up from school, he's like, uh, "So I got the application, but I don't think you're gonna want to sign up for this." I was like, "Why?" It kind of embarrassed you and myself. <laughs> so I was like, "All right, Dad, cool." So there's only three, like Dunbar was my neighborhood school. Mm-hmm. I got into Wilson. I got into Duke Ellington. And hey, I got, there you go. Yeah, I had to do the whole, I had to do the, uh, I had to give a monologue. And that was fucking terrifying. And uh, and I got in a uh, Banneker. Okay. That's legit. But then you ultimately decided on Wilson. Now, was it one of those things where, like, I know a lot of people went to Wilson because their friends went to Wilson. So it was like, that's. That's part of your criteria, I feel like, when you're that, that was age. Not, that was not that, – that that had nothing to do with my decision. What I didn't give to do a with your fuck. decision? <laughs> I did not well, care do. about anyone. That'll do. That place was I huge. Because yeah. all my friends from Hardy were going all over the place. So, like, that's the thing mm. is, like, I didn't have, like, the, the kids that, like – all my friends that you know right now that, like, are my high school friends – I knew them in middle school. We weren't like super close. So, like, going to – trying to figure out the high school, oh, I was like, I didn't really give a shit. Okay. Um, I didn't really get close to those guys. Brennan was the first person I got really, really close to. Sam Quinn is another dude I got really close to. But the, uh, yeah, no, because like, I had friends who were going to go to Banneker. Yeah. Probably the, the the school I was most interested in was Ellington. And I still remember being. I was going to say, you would have been great at Ellington as well. Not to say that, like, going to Wilson was a mistake. Like, you still had a great time at Wilson and, like, you know, made lifelong friends and stuff like that. But, like, in terms well, so, of, yeah. Th- there was a girl that uh, went to Ellie. Uh-huh. And I remember I was down in Mr. Pope's office and her mo- Ellie's mom found out that I was not going to apply to Duke. Okay. I was going to go to Wilson because of the ROTC program. Okay. I was losing weight. I really wanted to be in the military. I really, mm-hmm. I was working hard to work, try to get in the air force. And, uh, cause this is like a few couple years after nine 11, I'm feeling patriotic. This on. Yeah. Uh, she screamed at me in Pope's office with tears in her eyes. Why aren't you going? You know you're going to be unhappy if you do anything other than Duke. You you know that. You know that, Kenny. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. And I went and I applied. I did the fucking monologue. Cheesy as shit. I did the Colonel Kurtz monologue from Apocalypse Now. So fucking corny. So corny. But you um, nailed it. I, I knocked it out of the fucking park. And yeah, the, the questions they asked me and other kids, why it was fucking terrifying. But then, um, yeah, I, I really, that is probably the only regret I have. Is I sh- I really do wonder what my life would have been like if I if I stuck with it and went to Duke. I mm. really do. I I am so curious about that because I still like write and I do all these kind of things from a creative standpoint and like I, my confidence has kind of gotten shot over the years from that. But I I really do wonder what my life would have been like if I had gone to Duke. Well, I mean, because Duke they. they... Duke Ellington, for those that don't know, but like this is, I mean, Chappelle went there. A few, mm-hmm. uh, some incredibly, incredibly talented folks went there. Okay, uh, I throw you in that mix as well. Um, but 
you know, that's one of those things where like coulda, shoulda, like you never know. You ultimately never know. I don't think so. Like I, I was at a wedding a couple months ago and we were actually sitting at a stand. It was like, here's a wedding. It was Devin's friend, but like the friend that she hasn't seen in over a decade. So mm-hmm. we're at the table of like the miscellaneous table um, of people. Great like, table. Say, Great it table. ended up being an amazing table. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> but we had a couple that we were sitting with that uh, run a theater company in uh, Montgomery County. And they're yeah. like, come through. And like, I, I think about it all the time. I'm like, you know, I should just do it. Just try it. Just give it a shot. Maybe it doesn't work out. Same way I want to do an improv. I'd love to take an improv class, even though they're corny and shit, just to say I did it. And before I die, I'd say within the next five years, I am absolutely going to do an open mic comedy set. It's just something on my bucket list. Are we about to do do improv together, dude? I think we just might. It is corny as shit. That could be fun. But you know, funny thing? I'm open to it. Went to Wilson for ROTC. Yeah. Excelled at ROTC my freshman year until I gave a really racist speech in English class. And after my racist speech in English class, they said I need to be on the debate team. I talked to the debate uh, the, the debate coach, and she said there was a better way for me to get into college in the ROTC. Went and talked to Sergeant McCauley in the ROTC. He's like, they want you to debate? Hey, you better take that fucking uniform off and go debate. So that was, that was it. I was on ROTC wow. for one year and went and made the debate team after I gave a racist speech in English class. All right. All right. So before we log off uh, for real in this after the pod segment, and kudos to you if you stuck around this long, um, racist speech, you got to at least give a little bit here. There's a McDonald's on Rhode Island Avenue, Northwest, uh, uh, right where the, it used to be where Safeway used to be. The Alamo Theater is there now. Um, uh, Northeast in that case? Northeast. Rhode okay, Island, okay, like it, right it, by the it. Metro yeah. Station. Yeah. Metro bars over there. And uh, yeah. There's a McDonald's that sits right there um, under the shopping center. It's the worst fucking McDonald's in the world. And I went on a tirade in English class about the Spanish speaking workers at McDonald's fucking my order up. Oh, look, <laughs> it was a written asked. speech. Oh, asked. it was a written speech. Here's what I knew. I was OK. There was a girl in class, Carmen. She was snoring during everybody's presentation when I went up. She gave me a standing ovation, and I knew if I could get Carmen on my side, that I was good to go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, people listening to the pod, <laughs> this weekend, I want you to go out, and I want you to get your Carmen on your side. You do that, you yeah, have yourself your, a great Get your weekend. Latin or black friend to co-sign your racist activity. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. See you guys next week. <laughs>